listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Have you ever had to act surprised? Have you ever known something and then told you shouldn't know it, so then act like you don't know it? Happens with kids all the time. No, it's like, oh, I know that we know, but Hope's going to tell you something, act like you don't know. And it's like, get out of here. Are you for real? Well, my 30th birthday was an awesome birthday. And uh, Nadia had set up the day. I went fishing and diving with some friends in the morning and, and had a whole lot of fun. That was cool. And then we hung out in the afternoon. And then we all kind of tripped out what we'd say west to these ranges. And it was kind of getting dinner time a bit late. And, and we were all going together. And then it all started, the pieces came together. But I hadn't known prior, but Nadia had been organizing a big surprise birthday. And, uh, and then you get there, but I kind of knew it was happening because where else could we be going except maybe to be abducted? Um, and I thought that's probably not the best thing for your 30th. So we got there and then it was just so cool. All our friends were there and, and, and some family and stuff like that. And we walked into this venue that looked over the city and everyone was like, surprise. And, you know, I know, but I'm like, no way. You know, like... Just thought it was going to be Nadia and I and three mates, you know, like it's great. And, um, and anyway, it was an awesome night and then I'd been kind of dropping enough hints about wanting an iPad and stuff like that. So when it came time to like give a gift, uh, you know, it was, I was thinking, wow, it's either a book, uh, it's either a 500 piece puzzle or maybe it's the iPad, you know, like. And so again, you're acting surprised like, oh, no way, you should, oh, you did it, you did, you did. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And um. And then Nadia goes, open the box. And I'm like, it's an iPad. It's great. She goes, open the box. And not only was there an iPad in the box, but there was another gift voucher for a custom-made brand-new surfboard, which I had not planned. And I was all like weak at the knees, man. I was just like, oh, baby, you're, you're so good. This is unbelievable. Like, are you serious? Like, and uh, I, I, I couldn't have had a better. It was absolutely amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking... Today, as we're focusing on the topic of intimacy with God, do you know that there is nothing that surprises Him? Nothing that surprises Him. I mean, like, think about Jesus. Even though His birthday is pretty public, even if it wasn't, you couldn't surprise Him for His birthday. You know, kind of the whole world knows when it is, and I'm pretty sure He's aware. But, you know, we couldn't surprise Him when... When you went to hide the gift in the place you hide your gifts before you go to give them, he, he knows where that is. He, if he was to have the gift, he wouldn't be rattling it and shaking it, and he wouldn't be wondering what the weight could be. He knows what it, he'd just be like, yo, stop, don't worry about wrapping it. Don't worry about wrapping it. I'm super keen. I'm super keen for the Makita 18-volt cordless multi-tool. Like, seriously, I can't wait for it. Like, because who knows, every carpenter can't have enough tools. Like, there's, this, there's a reality where he knows everything. But are we aware when focusing on the intimacy with God and it's out of an intimacy, God, that we can overcome areas in our life that God is wanting us to overcome? Do we know that He knows everything? And if we know that He knows everything, then why do we act like we have to hide things from Him? Why do we hide things from Him and we don't want to conceal them to Him? But He already knows. And when He tells us, sometimes I think He's going, wow, just to make us feel good. But He's like, I know. Why didn't we deal with this years ago? Come on, when I, when I cleaned you up at the start, why didn't you let me clean everything up at the start? Why did you hold on to that for so long? He knows everything from every angle within the parameters of time, but from a position of being outside of time. He knows everything of how it got to where it is, but he also knows how it's going to link to the very end. Come on, the Bible tells me that he's omnipotent, which means he is unlimited in power. 
He's omnipresent, which means He's everywhere at all times. But then He's omniscient, which means He knows absolutely everything. David pens it like this in Psalm 139. He said, Lord, You know everything about me. You perceive my moment, every moment, sorry, from my heart and my soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. Wow. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before even the start of a sentence. You know every step I will take before the journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way in, and in kindness, hear this, you follow behind me to spare me from the harms of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, too deep, too incomprehensible, And it is really quite incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. See, I believe a passage like this, a revelation like this will will invoke two responses in this room. The first, or one response, not the first, one response could be, wow, wow. Like, really? He's that interested in me? He's that invested in me? He's that aware of every area of me? Wow, wow, how awesome is God? Wow, how much value must He place on me? Wow. Or it puts the other... Whoa. Same as wow, spelt the same way, but whoa. Are you telling me I'm under the microscope? Are you telling me that he can see all my faults? Are you telling me that he knows the things that, you know, like the areas that I'm ashamed? Are you telling me, oh oh my goodness. And all of a sudden we get anxious and we get nervous about this thing rather than finding the confidence that he knows everything. We get timid because he knows everything. Where I believe with an intimacy with God, we've got to have the security that Come on, whether you're in a good place or a great place or a challenging place, He knows everything and He's not wanting to use that to make you fall apart or to identify faults. He wants to use that to elevate you to where He wants you to go. Come on, He thinks of you. You're thinking, what does He think of me if He knows all the stuff? He thinks of you the same He thinks of Jesus. He thinks my son, my daughter, the one whom I love, the desire of my heart, the one who is mine. But you say, Craig, you don't understand what I've done. I mean, the things I'm doing right now aren't pleasing to God. I mean, he wouldn't approve of me. In fact, I feel so nervous even being in this service. Church isn't the place I would find myself on a regular Sunday. You know, you might be right. He might not approve of the things that we do. But that doesn't mean he doesn't approve of you. Come on. He dis. He does not love our sin, but he sure does love the sinner. And any moment you start to feel condemnation, like you're not good enough, I want to tell you that's not because of the presence of God in your life. That's because of an enemy trying to cause a separation in your life. See, my Bible tells me in Romans 5, 8, that but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while I was still lost and ungodly. Come on, while I was still lost and ungodly, I didn't get here on my own. I'm not going to stay here on my own. I didn't work myself into His presence, so I can't work myself to keep in His presence. He is the one who loves the sinner. He wants to set me free. So then I don't hide it from Him, but I reveal it and conceal it to Him. See, we have to be aware that God has purposed us to have an impact just like Jesus. 
But for us to have an impact like Jesus, we have to have the same intimacy as Jesus. We want the same impact, but we don't want the same intimacy. No, we need the same intimacy so we can have the same impact. In fact, doesn't he tell us that we should have even more? We would do even greater things? Come on, we've got to have a great level of intimacy. But it's crucial to be aware that the enemy will do everything that he can to impact and interrupt my intimacy with God. Come on, he's going to do everything he can to get a little foothold in an area. He's going to do everything he can to discourage the certain aspect. But I love the moments in the Bible where Jesus reveals that he knows that he already knows. And he, he tells us that he knows so that we would know that he knows so that when we read it, we know that he knows of what's happening, right? Like, I love these moments. So I'm going to grab three of these scriptures and we're going to read them. And I believe out of this place, we're going to get some revelations of how to live in a relationship with God, the things that we're going to do to help ourselves because he already knows. So we need to activate some stuff in the fact that he already knows. All right, Jesus, you're awesome. Let these words be your words. Have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Luke 7, sorry, Luke 6, verse 6 to 11. Uh, it'll be on the screen, but we're going to go fast. Is this. This is about a guy being healed of a withered hand. On the other side, sorry, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. He would heal on the Sabbath. Don't you love that Sundays aren't the place where you're coming to be strong and courageous? Come on, this isn't the place where you're coming to put on the brave face. Sundays is the place where healing wants to take place. Sundays is the place where you say, oh, I'm broken. Oh, I've got a healing that's needed. Oh, my marriage is in ruins. This is the place where we, we bear it all. Not the place to try and act like it's all good. This is the place where we say, it's not good. <laughs> but Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everybody. Wow. Get up and stand in front of everybody. Here is a man with an ailment. Here is a man with a shriveled hand. And he's saying, who knows, no doubt that man was probably sitting there with it covered up. Wasn't sitting there going, hey, I'm a shriveled hand guy. Probably sitting there a little ashamed, a little insufficient, a little too aware of the things that were lacking in his life. And Jesus says, stand up. Stand up in front of everybody. Come on, this isn't something to be embarrassed of. We've all got challenges. We've all got issues. Yours is just a, a, a scarred hand. <laughs> These guys have a religious heart. And that's way worse than having an ailment in your body to have a hardened heart. Hello. He says, and he brings it to the focus. He brings it to the forefront. Now I'm going to undo what I just said before. In church, at times, we need to be strong and courageous. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because of the fact is, is, when God calls something else, sorry, when God calls something out, it's going to cause us to have to get out of the place of comfort. And it's hard to get in comfort. How many times we open an altar at times to pray for people and we say, come on, if you're in that place, come to the front. It takes strength and courage to get out of your seat and come down the front. If this man didn't stand, he would still have a shriveled hand. But he stood and he comes listening to his Savior, knowing that the Savior wasn't there to try and isolate him, but the Savior was there to heal him. He brings him to the front and then he says to them, stretch out your hand. And amazing, it says, as he stretched out his hand, the hand became well. Our obedience in the presence of God causes an overcome. 
He's calling us to obey Him. He's calling us to get to a deeper place of intimacy. He's calling us to go to a place where it's not about the facade. It's not about a mask. It's not about the people thinking, wow, that guy's a great worshiper. Wow, he really seems like his life's totally on track. Come on, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We've got to stop playing fake, man. We've got to fight the fight of fake and we've got to get real. Come on, hashtag no filter. Stop putting a filter on trying to make it look better than it is. Just be the real you. Bring the real you. Come on, if we want an authentic church, we want to say, come as you are, then come as you are. So that when others walk in saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know all this Christianese. I don't know how you do that. Just come as you are. Be you. God will meet you there and he'll start to bring healing to the areas of isolation in our life. Come on, how many of us have insufficient areas hidden that God's wanting to heal? Come on, the enemy, he's going to say, they won't accept you. No one will understand. You're the only one. You can't do that. It's going to show you're not good enough. When were we ever good enough? Come on, didn't you say you've changed? Now you're still dealing with this? Come on, the enemy's going to heap all these thoughts, all this condemnation, condemnation. But I want us to have a risen conviction. Come on, that as a church, we are here to bring ourselves into the presence of God and the obedience of when he leads us so that he can do what only he can do. Come on, the very area of shame in this man's life became an area to shine. The very area that right now you might be shameful of, the very area that you don't want anyone to know could actually be the area of strength and breakthrough that causes him to shine and you to help others in a way that nobody else could because you've been there, you've seen God heal and you've moved through. That could be your testimony, but we've got to stretch out our hand. That's point number one. We've got four minutes. Here we go. Come on. Healing of, second story, healing of the paralyzed man in Luke 5, 17 to 39. Can we go quick? On the day, that's not going to make it quick by reading it wrong, Craig. One day, and again, on one of the days while Jesus was teaching, some proud religious law keepers, religious, come on, get rid of the religious acts. Come on, religion will give you the perception that you're close to God. But in reality, you're closed off to God. Religious law keepers and the teachers of the law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the country of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was there to heal them. I want to declare and prophesy that the power of the same God that was there is here. And come on, if you've got areas in your life, today he wants to heal them. Some men took a man who was not able to move his body to Jesus. He was carried on a bed. They took they looked for a way to take the man into the house where Jesus was, but they could not find a way to take him in because of so many people. Man, that's a good meeting. They made a hole in the roof over where Jesus stood, and they let the bed with the sick man down on it before Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, your friend, your sins are forgiven. Wow. The teachers of the law and the proud religious law keepers thought to themselves, hang on, thought, they didn't say they thought it. Man, it's amazing how much our mind can control who we are. Who is this man who speaks as if he is God, who can forgive sins, but only God? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to them, listen to this, why do you think this way in your heart? So what he's addressing is actually not their thought life. What he's addressing is their heart state. The times that we are critical and the times that we are doubting, the times that we prove like, oh, that could never, they would never, is actually not a mindset. It's not a theology. It's actually a heart space. 
It's a toxic heart. It's a hardened heart. It's a, it's a heart that repels the wonder of what God and only God can do. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. So, to point it in their face and make them feel small. So, that you may see that the Son of Man is right in the power to forgive on earth. He said to the man who could not move his body, I say to you, get up, take your mat and go home. At once the sick man got up from his bed, went praising God. And they were surprised and gave thanks saying, wow, how awesome is this day? See, a religion will make us act righteous, but a relationship will enable us to live righteous. It's amazing because Jesus was the healer, but the way he got there was because of others. Jesus was the healer. We heard this last week that we have faith for others. We have faith for others. We have faith for others. If you weren't here last Sunday night, grab a copy of the podcast. Part of Samaritan spoke a great word, how we have faith enough for others. The friend's faith got him healed. The friend's faith took him to that place. And I want to tell us that, come on, sometimes we say, all I need is Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit will do it all. Yes, we do all need Jesus. Yes, the Holy Spirit has evidence and power to do anything that the Holy Spirit can and wants to do. But we need others. We actually need others. In James 5, it actually says that if you want freedom in your life, it's not just Jesus. You actually need to have the strength of others around you that have the intimacy of your heart. And the message, it says it like this. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other, not to God. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you can live a whole, can you live together whole and healed. Wow, my confession of Christ is what saves me, but my confessions of sins to another is what heals me. We're the only ones that know. Just me and Jesus. Jesus is saying, you know what? I designed you not to do it, just me and you. Although that is the starting point. I actually designed it that it would be me and Jesus and others. That there would not just be a me, but there would be a we. That there would be a connection and a community that would draw out the best. That would stand alongside and help us move forward. It goes on to say, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain and it didn't. And it did. And the showers came. And every, I wish Elijah was here to pray for the bombers. And they would win in Jesus' name. Hear this. We are going to stuff up. We are all going to stuff up. And we either have the opportunity to put a mask up and act like nothing happened and pretend that everything's still all right. Or we have the opportunity to invite somebody into that intimate area of our lives and allow them to help bring the healing that God wants to bring. Pastor Chris Hodges puts it like this. Often God will identify something on a Sunday and bring healing at Connect on a Tuesday. We're not called to do life. And why do we always talk about groups? Why do we always talk about next step, getting connected to people? Because that's where your healing can come from. Your healing can come from others. Oh, but God knows. Yes, He knows. And He wants you to do it with somebody else. Come on, we are not, uh, we are not perfect. We live in a fallen world. So therefore, we will fall down. It's not a question of if I will stuff up, but when I stuff up. What do I do in that moment? Do I let my, uh, my faults speak to me and control me, or do I let myself then stand in authority and command the direction of what happens in that fault? Yes, I invite God into it, but then I actually have to invite another into it, and I get some righteous, come on, some good righteous friends alongside me who are going to help and be those pillars of light that can t- bring a, a fresh light into that area, The enemy's plan can be eradicated and we can stop it in its tracks there or we can conceal it and whatever we can hide and whatever we conceal, who knows that the light is, who knows where my hand is, where I hide, 
There's, there's darkness. There's a shadow. And so often there's like, oh, I'm in the light. But there's a, there's a shadow. There's a shadow of things we're hiding, which we're hiding, we're holding. And it's crazy is that God wants to penetrate that stuff, but we've got to open ourselves up. We've got to open ourselves up. See, Jesus even showed us, come on, He loved everyone. He was on mission with many. He did life with 12 to 15. But when it came to the time for fighting the fight of faith, He took three. When He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He didn't take all 12. He took three. When He went to the Mount of Transfiguration, He didn't take all 12. He took three. He took a selected few to the areas that were the hardest and the most intimate of His life. Come on, I'm not asking you to have 50 people that know everything. And if 50 people know everything, that's not healthy either. Come on, we've got to get to a place. Come on, we love everybody. Come on, there's a whole bunch of people we're on mission with. We do life with a good number, but then we're intimate and we're fighting the fight with at least three. Is that encouraging? Is that helping us? I know I am flying this out, but we is always better than me. Come on, we is always better than me. We overcome discouragement best when it's done by the encouragement of others. The last one, I don't need to move on, but the last one is Adam and Eve. Our story is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, we understand that they're living in the fullness of God's presence, the fullness of His creation, the way it was designed to be, the way that God wants it to still be for us. And here they have an enemy that starts to speak deception into their lives. He didn't question what they knew. We did question what they know. But he, who knows? He already, like, the enemy already knows what we know. And so he starts to go after the area of the heart. And what he actually starts to speak is the, about their purpose and their promise. And he starts to question that. And he starts to impact that area of their life. And he starts to make it personal. And the amazing thing is, is that the enemy would do the same to us. He might not try and attack your theology, but he will attack your purpose. He will try and attack, come on, the area of direction, the area of God's value in your life. And you'll start to question over and question over and question over it. Who knows? They eat the fruit. And then all of a sudden they eat the fruit and what do they do? They do not run to God, but they run from Him. They hide, they sew fig leaves together. They put a garment of fig leaves on and they hide from God. Here they are in a trap or in a test of temptation and they fail it. Their eyes are open to sin, shame, guilt, condemnation, and they notice their nakedness. Who knows that at that moment they hear Jesus walking in the garden as he did at the cool of the day, hanging, wanting to hang out with his kids, wanting to do life with them, but now they're hidden. Where are you? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Craig, where are you? Where are you? We were just hanging out just a moment ago. Where, where are you now? Like, what, what's happened? And we're hidden ourselves. We're hiding. And we thought, well, you'd be angry with us, God. You'd be angry because I said I wouldn't do it again, but I've done it again. You'd be angry with us. He's like, I'm not angry at you. What's happened is they've gone and they've sown fig leaves to cover themselves. But the thing is, a fig leaf is temporary. A fig leaf is endurable. It's not going to be able to enable them to do what God's called on their life to do. And we cover ourselves with temporary. We cover ourselves with a smile. We cover ourselves with this, this facade of like everything's all good. We cover ourselves with being bold. We cover ourselves with, let's just be more successful. We cover ourselves with just like, well, let, 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 this is my kids. My kids are doing great. Yeah, but what about you? What, what are you covering up that God's saying, come on, you can't cover up anymore. It's temporary, it's futile, it's fragile, it's, it's, it's disconnecting, it's deceiving. You've got to be honest with me. Where are you? And then what he does is, in his graciousness, he doesn't, people say he was angry and just cast them out. I think he was gracious. I think he was incredibly gracious. He could have just called it quits then, but he didn't. No, he, he goes and he, he obviously kills an animal and he, and he, and he clothes them, the Bible says in, in Genesis 3, he clothes them with skin. He clothes them with skin. I want to hear us, when we, when we stuff up, I'm, I'm telling you, don't cover up. 
So they covered with leaves, but God covered them with something that would sustain them, something that would endure, something that would last. We try and cover with a smile. We try and cover with a temporary fix. We try and cover with a momentary high. But I want to tell you, you need to be covered by God's grace. God covered them with skin, and He's covered us with His Son. He covered them with His skin, but He's covered us with His Son. He killed an animal to enable clothing. His Son was the the Lamb of God, slain, so that I wouldn't have to pretend these things haven't happened. I wouldn't have to go on trying to be like, oh, no, everything's good. No, no, I could actually come and say, God, I need your grace again. Come on, I need grace and salvation, but I need His grace in every daily decision. And His grace will meet us. Come on, aren't you grateful for a grace that finds you, for a grace that sees you, for a grace that wants to lead you from where you are into all that He's called you to be? And we've got an amazing story of one of our incredible uh, people here at Life who's going to share their story of how God met them. I grew up in a Christian household. My mum and dad met each other in Bible college, fell in love and got married right away. And I grew up in a childhood where we used to consistently go to church every week, fellowship with different families every day. It wasn't enough though for my mum. My mum really wanted to reconnect with her family. Unfortunately, who cut her off when she met Jesus um, because they just didn't agree with the faith that she had. So. I began to meet cousins that I had that I never knew I had and start building relationships with them. In doing so, though, um, there was a time that I remember we were all at my auntie's house and my cousin, um, older cousin, sexually abused me at probably age seven or eight. It was a very confusing time for me. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was right. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know the feelings I felt. And I just knew it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't what my parents would have wanted me to do. It was just a very confusing time. And it hurt so much that it just put it so far back in my mind that it didn't exist anymore, that it was probably something I made up. I wanted to believe it was something I made up that wasn't real. So fast forward a couple years I started um, going to high school and I wasn't doing well so my parents took me out of private school and brought me into a public school. I found a group of friends that weren't right for me. I remember specifically my last year you know I would be in and out of church on a Sunday but living this completely different life Monday to Friday and my cousin had a birthday it was a couple weeks before exams and my best friend and I organized a party for my cousin and we were so excited But that night turned out to be something that was definitely not exciting. I remember specifically this best friend that I had, who I was organising the party with, had a boyfriend that was not right. He was involved in a lot of crime, a lot of drugs and a lot of bad people. And unfortunately what happened was we were all sitting in a room. He rocks up with a friend with machetes and everything like that grabs my best friend outside of her room, threw her onto the balcony. His friend then holds us hostage in a room, threatening us with our lives, telling us not to move, and we could vividly see my best friend being smashed to death on the balcony by her ex-boyfriend now. And it was probably the most 
heartbreaking moment of my life to just be stuck in a situation where I could physically something going on and I, I couldn't do anything about it. We then called the cops and the police came and I was too young to give my statement. I wasn't 18 yet. And um, so what that meant was it was a Saturday night. I had to come back in the morning with my dad and give my statement. The worst part about that was I would have to tell my dad what actually happened. Now my dad didn't know anything about the lifestyle that I lived, the friends that I had, what we were getting up to that night. He had no idea. So the next day I found myself at home and as my parents were getting ready for church, I turned around to my dad and said, Dad, we can't go to church this morning. I need you to drive me to the police station. So without question, my dad got in the car and drove me to the police station. And I gave my statement in front of my dad. And the most amazing part that blows my mind still to this day is that after I gave my statement, we, gave, we got into the car and my dad just looked at me, held me and said, I love you. It's all going to be okay. Let's go to church now and we'll sort this out. We know that Jesus can sort this out. At that point, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I only lived with the reality that um, Jesus was real. I've seen signs and wonders, but I didn't physically have a relationship with him. A week later, um, my friend Daniel brought two boys to church who I knew from school. One of them was a Muslim and he got baptised and his life radically changed. And I'll never forget saying to myself after the week I had, if God can change him, then I want that. I want that so badly. The week after I was at the police station, we went to a youth camp. At that youth camp, we organised a prayer meeting on this Saturday night. And prayer meetings were just not my thing. It was something I wasn't interested in. But I remember thinking a week ago, I told myself I really wanted this. So let's just go all in. So I turned up at this prayer meeting and there was a bunch of us. There was about 30 young kids that were really seeking a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus just showed up in the most amazing way. Still gives me goosebumps to this day. And he, I just felt this immersion in God's Holy Spirit just filling my life, completely taking everything away that I have, all the pain I felt. It was like this exchange, this burden just completely lifted off my shoulders. And in that moment, in that split second, I knew God is real, Jesus is real. All this pain, it's just not mine to carry, it's not mine to bear. And I remember being so afraid to pray like I just didn't know the what to say the words to say and the only thing I did say was Holy Spirit help me and I've never even called out something like that before and I just remember speaking words that I never knew I knew how to say and you know comments that I was making declarations that I was making to God that I still remember to this day was so profound and and I'll never forget from that day on my whole life radically changed. That Muslim boy that gave me the inspiration to go after Jesus is now my husband. And through amazing people in my life, the walk that I have lived from that moment on 
I've gained such an intimate relationship with Jesus and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. You know, I haven't, I don't believe I have arrived yet. I don't want to arrive yet. I want to know more about Jesus all the time. I want to learn about Him. I want to know about more about Him. I want to go closer with Him because I'm just so thankful about what He's done in my life, how He's changed my life and how much more I'm able to do with Him because I can't do this life alone. I've tried it before. It hasn't worked. I've tried putting on the mask, coming to church on a Sunday, living a different life Monday to Friday, and that didn't work for me either. But now I just feel feel so fulfilled in living a life for Jesus, living a life where I no longer carry this burden of guilt and shame, but knowing that He has taken that all away and I have been set free. So this is why I... I'm just so thankful every day that he met me where I'm at. Come on, let's really put our hands together. Come on, honour Hannah and just being vulnerable with her story. You know, we sung a new song today that said, my chains are gone. Come on, my debt is paid. The cross has overthrown the grave. <laughs> for Jesus' blood, it sets us free. It means death to death, now life for me. And Hannah, we just honour you for the journey that you've taken just to entrust your life to Him. And, and uh, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. But I thought it'd be cool just to take a moment off the back of that. Maybe just to talk a little bit practically about, well, how does this, how does this look like? You know, so that was eight years ago and um, and you said in there a couple of things you said uh, it's been amazing how others have helped you and how and how um, you've grown in God but I wanted to ask you how has that taken place like how have others helped you how have you seen that being a key part for you to get where you are now well um, I knew that after I surrendered my life to Jesus that there had to be a next step. I wanted to see what was next. And what I did was I just connected with people that lived a life that I wanted, that I longed for. And um, and that was first really with connect groups. That was just hanging out with people. That was coming week by week and through my consistency of just rocking up, of just sharing stories, sharing life. Slowly, slowly, the Holy Spirit was able to speak through people and I was able to open my heart to let them speak over my life. Isn't that awesome? And just th- see things change from there. So cool. And it's been amazing because that journey of trust does take time. And it's been awesome to know, you know, having known you now for about four and a half, five years, to see how your heart has softened over time. And, uh, you know, you've always been an amazing person, but at the start I used to think, well, she's pretty tough. And, uh, <laughs> but you get to realise that often it's a protective mechanism that really we just waited to see, is it real? Is this authentic? Is this genuine? And, and, and now I love the way that you do that for others. It's incredible. But it was quite... Amazing that line you said about this, this, that you love this intimate relationship with God. Can you just be like practical a little bit? And what does that intimate relationship with God look like for you? Well, my um, life of a, you could say a religious life, uh, as relationship, a life without a relationship with Jesus just looked like coming to church on Sunday and doing the Christian thing, singing your songs, reading your word. But that was the only time I met with God. And to practically change that, Um, there was two things that really helped me and that was never ceasing to remember 
the wonder of where he met me and how he met me and where I was at. And two was to worship no matter how big or small my issues or my problems may be. I found that, you know, through my worship that the more I worshipped, the more I was in His presence. The more I was in His presence, our relationship just grew deeper and deeper. So good. And the more it grew, then I was living in a life of overflow instead of a life where, you know, I actually didn't know who I was praying to. Now I know who I'm praying to, what I'm praying for. And that's practically how I outlived that, you know. Yeah. And growth is inevitable. Totally. You know, growth is it's inevitable. Like it's, it's only a matter of time and, and we're going to get more aligned to His purpose and more aligned with His presence and... I don't think actually half of our team know this, but Hannah's actually joining staff here as of not this week, but the next week, which I think is pretty awesome. And I think is obviously a a clear step in the direction God has called on her life. And so we're so proud of you, Hannah. But one last question is, you know, we're so honoured that every, every service we have, we always have people who either bring a friend or a family member or someone that's just Googled it and and found themselves here on a Sunday. Um, They may not yet identify with having a connection with God personally or the concept of even knowing God for yourself but what would your encouragement be to someone who is here who doesn't yet know Jesus personally um my greatest encouragement is you have nothing to lose I remember sitting eight years ago in a prayer meeting and just opening my heart and when it came to surrendering my life it wasn't a hard thing it was just Holy Spirit do your will do, what, do your will in me. And, you know, if you're living a life now where everything is great and you're asking yourself, why? It just means God's, something, God's got something greater for you. He's got a greater purpose for you that you don't know yet. And then two, if you're living a life where, like me, things were just really bad, well, then God's got something amazing for you and something amazing for everyone once you surrender your life, once you surrender that moment. And, you know, just as, as a major encouragement that God will meet you where you're at. There is nothing for you to do. There is nothing for you to change about yourself. God loves you for who you are. God, God designed you. And I believe what we've been talking about so deeply that we weren't designed or created to be isolated or by ourselves. We were created to have a relationship with people and our creator. Because God is your creator and he loves so you so much. So good. So awesome. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.